listeners, and thank you for tuning in to Jollyville Radio on KJVR. I'm sportscaster Carrie Gardner here in the Purple Street Studios in gorgeous downtown Jollyville. Today on the program, we have an installment of Better Call Paul with Paul Fredrickson, the DIY and relationship expert you can trust. After that, Amanda Keaton further investigates the mystery of Stan's missing lasagna. We'll return after these messages. Poindexter Von Green Salads here. Salad's my name, but ice cream is my game. Here at Salad's Ice Cream Bar, we got everything your little heart desires. What you want? Chocolate? Yeah, I got that. Rocky Road? Look who's getting fancy. We even got those grandpa flavors like rum raisin and butter pecan. Come on by Salad's Ice Cream Bar today. <laughs> Look at him go. Look at him play. Watch him frolic amongst the flowers. He's growing fast and he needs his nourishment. I'm hungry, mummy. May I have some soup? He says, yes, dear. What kind would you like, you ask him? Minestrone? Cream of mushroom? Chicken noodle? He looks at you with those big watery eyes and you realize it doesn't matter because whichever one he says, there's only one brand that's good enough for him. And it is what he is. Little Appalachian Soup Boy. Mummy's proud of you, my good little soup boy. Mummy's proud. Form-fitting, stiff, comfortable, Announcing the all-new line of luxury wrist braces by the designer Robert Cheerful. Jollyville Radio sends a shout-out to Marshall, North Carolina. Population 907. How y'all doing? For better call Paul, the handyman and relationship coach you can trust. Hi, folks. That's right, listeners. Paul Fredrickson is always here to offer advice. Who do we have with us today? Today, we have Biff Poundwell with a question about metalworking. Hi, Paul. I'm just tickled to be here on your show today. I'm an amateur blacksmith, and recently I've been making some metal sculptures and giving them as gifts to my friends and family but I've noticed when I visit that they're never on display. I'm afraid my gifts might not be as desirable as I think they are. Do you have any suggestions? Sometimes when we're eager to show our talents to others, it's easy to forget that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I have tried to look carefully at the existing decor before I design a piece for anyone. Then I always try to visualize how it will fit in. Can you describe a specific example? Well, one friend has a lot of pictures of fishing trips on display, so I made a life-size sculpture of a marlin jumping out of the water for his studio apartment. Despite what your girlfriend has told you, in some situations, size really is very important. What? Uh, Oh, well, I suppose it could be a little difficult to find a spot for something so big. But I also made a life-size memorial sculpture of my brother's Pomeranian, and it's nowhere to be seen either. 
Sometimes when someone loses something as beloved as dear Sparky, they find it very painful to see a reminder every day. Uh, well, the response was quite gruff when I presented it. Just like in the metal shop, in relationships, it is important to look past the rough edges to see the real beauty. Thank you, Paul. That's good advice. I guess I'm going to have to work harder at putting myself in other people's shoes. You're very welcome, Biff. But please don't make things any worse with your girlfriend by talking about her shoe size again. Thank you, Biff, for calling in. You deserve a mayor who can take the heat and not get bent out of shape. Vote for me for mayor of Jollyville. This message is paid for by the Society for the Promotion of Artistic Metalworking. I'm Paul Fredrickson, and I approve this message. Point Dexter Von Greenfeld here again. Look, I've been getting some complaints from the local grandpa lobby that the butter pecan and the raw razor are delicious, and that more people might like them if they would just try some. Like, just try a little. And to comply with their demand, we've also added dishes where there's originals, and those little strawberry candies with the red shiny wrapper, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Salad's ice cream bar, come on by today. I'm Julia Stonewash, and you're listening to KJVR Jollyville Radio. I'm Amanda Keaton, and on this show, we get to the bottom of office mysteries. Pour yourself another cup, because this is Coffee Filters on KJVR. Previously on Coffee Filters. Uh-oh! Bobby Balconis, freeze and don't move. Hey, man, where are you taking me? I have food in the oven. Dude, you really go. Uh, hello? Is anyone still there? You done sticking that big old schnoz of yours in places where plum don't belong, girl. I'm here at the office of Bobby Balcones, where I rushed after an alarming and abrupt end to my telephone interview. The door is wide open, and I can see office furniture strewn on the floor. Bobby? Bobby? Are you here? Amanda Keaton! I'm in the supply room, at the back! A new twist, Jollyville. Bobby's tied to a chair in the back room, but looks otherwise unharmed. Well, are you gonna untie me? Of course. Just a moment. I'm okay, Amanda. I'm glad you came. I sure appreciate you. What happened here? Woo-wee! You won't believe it. I was just telling you about the authority that the annual Jollyville Competitive Casserole Cook-Off and Travaganza won in a sample of Kitty Westlake's award-winning blue ribbon double sausage Dutch oven lasagna for the recipe analyzer. Then bam, out of nowhere, these two thugs just busted in on me. They tied me up back here, then hit it straight for my file of award-winning recipes. Then all of a sudden, I hear Kitty Westlake arguing and wrestling with them about what they found. The two thugs seemed pretty surprised at how tough Kitty was, but in the end, they knocked her flat to the floor and took off with my recipes. All this over some old recipes? What's so special about them, Bobby? I have no idea, Amanda. Well, then why do you keep them? Listen, Amanda, 
People might think it's easy being a casserole Casanova, but it takes hard work, preparation, and constant diligence. I spent years digging up recipes for dishes that won regional awards going far back in 1816. You have to know what worked yesterday to lead the pack today. Wait, Bobby, did you have a recipe for Kitty's award-winning lasagna? Let's see. I do recall having a double sausage Dutch oven lasagna recipe that I dug up from the Malakoff Historical Preservation Society records. There was no mention of it winning any awards, but it seemed very odd that a 25-year-old recipe was the only one saved. How strange. Do you remember the recipe details? No, not really, Amanda. Well, I guess that's a dead end then, since the Malakoff agents got it. Maybe not, Amanda. Do I look like the sort of person who would stake my livelihood and reputation on mere paper documents? I'm Amanda Keaton, and Jollyville, it looks like Stan's missing lasagna may have just turned into a mystery going back a quarter of a century. Stay tuned for the next installment of Coffee Filters on KJVR. Poindexter Von Green Salads here. You know me from all the Salads Ice Cream Bar commercials. Wow, can you believe it? I've had so many people coming in looking for salad. And I said, no way, guy. I'm Poindexter Von Green Salads. I'm the salad, not the ice cream. And they're all like, what? So now I made a salad-flavored ice cream. We've got vanilla iceberg, Caesar Politan, and Caprese Crush. The last one's pretty good. Uh, it's got tomato ice cream with mozzarella balls and a balsamic drizzle. And the crunch is from the red onions. Salad, salad, ice cream. Come on by today. This is Jollyville Community Beat with Uncle Asar turning the spotlight on good people doing great work in the real world. Joining us on the dark side of Purple Street Studio, Abby Brinker, creator of The Lunatics Project producing creepy short films, horror-themed magazines, and the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast. Abby Brinker, good evening, and the <laughs> community beats. That's, Hello. Uh, that's my best Dra- Dracula. That but, was great. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I feel all very right. welcome. All right, all right. So of this list, from way back in the day, who is your favorite horror movie actor? Vincent Price, Bella Lugosi, Peter Laurie, Lon Chaney, or Lon Chaney Jr.? Mm, Bella Lugosi. I think he's a he's an icon. But it's a hard, that's a hard list. Okay, okay. Those, you know, those are heavyweights. My favorite is Vincent Price. Mm, yeah. Okay. Now, if somebody wanted to, I guess, frighten themselves to death, <laughs> all they need to do is turn on the news, right? That's true. So, uh, people, but people are still drawn to horror movies and slasher movies and ghost stories. What's that all? What, what is that all about? That's interesting. That's a really good observation because, you know, like one of my favorite things to point to is that during World War II, um, like the rise in the Universal Monster series, like that's when it happened. And there was more horror movies being made than ever before. And you can see like throughout history correlations, right, between interest and horror and, you know, what you would call like difficult times or or catastrophes or wars and things like that. Um, So there is there is like a natural human response to use horror as a coping method, as a coping mechanism, as a distraction, as, um, 
you know, a way to release anxiety, stress, fear. Like a lot of researchers compare it to going on a roller coaster where it's, you're nervous and you're scared, but you're also grounded, right? Because you're in a theater or you're home. And so you know that you're safe, but you get to, like when you're in a roller coaster, like hopefully you know that you're safe, you're buckled in, you're ready to go. Um, and you know you're going to go on a ride. And so it, it's like a distraction and it it produces dopamine in your brain and it really kind of like taps into this like human feeling of excitement and adrenaline, uh, but like in a controlled environment. Okay, so I don't like roller coasters. <laughs> this is a bad example. <laughs> or scary movies, right, right. But I get the whole dopamine part, you know, producing some type of, you know, euphoria or something behind it. So yeah, that, that's cool. I remember when uh, Friday, what is it? Uh, Nightmare on Elm? Friday. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was I was working at the theater, so I had to watch it, you know what I mean? I'm looking, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the door every five seconds. And I would sleep with my light on for like six months after that. So my mom got upset because the, you know, the utility bill was, <laughs> <laughs> it was high. So yeah, that's, that's great. Um, when you do projects, are you working with uh, different artists and creative types and uh, uh, people like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, a great example is working with Jollyville, right? You know, like I think horror and, you know, a lot of what we do isn't like, in my opinion, like super scary. Like some of it is funny. Some of it is is more scary than other projects. But I think the most fun part of the project is getting to work with other artists. Um, and Michael and Pilar actually just did a story for us that's coming out soon. And when we were recording kind of like the little blurb about it, we were like, yeah, and you can listen to Jollyville to hear them, which is like the opposite of this podcast, but it's still really cool that we get to work together and like do art and like find, you know, common ground. So, um, and that, that happens like again and again. So it's been a really cool project to like meet artists and um, collaborate and like bring different perspectives to horror, you know? So I was on your website last night, as a matter of fact, and I saw this uh, sketch where somebody was knocking at your door. Mm-hmm you know you finally let them in and put stuff going on tell us what goes into a you know a little production like that oh sure so you're talking I think about Midnight Visitor which is one of our most popular like short films before COVID we were primarily making short films and then um really leaned into the podcast side of things during COVID but um short film is sort of like the original part of the project um Alan who's my romantic and creative partner. Uh, he is a sound mixer by a profession and a cameraman. And, uh, you know, I went to film school, I'm a writer, so it kind of was a natural fit. So there's a lot that goes into these things, but maybe not as much as you would expect, right? So we have to have a script, which either I write or somebody writes. There's, po- there's pre-production, finding the props, finding the location, the actors. And then we film. Like, you know, the, the main thing that we really try to do is make projects like this as accessible as possible. Um, so we do a lot of it ourselves. Nobody really, you know, like there's no barrier for entry. Like if anyone wants to learn about something, we're like, yeah, great, come, you know, be part of it, like be an actor, be, you know, and so it's, there's a quote, I don't know who said it, but there was, there's kind of like a quote from 2019, I think. And, and one of the big filmmakers of the time said, if you have a phone, there's no reason why you can't be making like films with your friends you know, or you can't be making art in some way if you want to. Like, you don't need expensive equipment and cameras. You don't need to spend money to make a project. Like, write a script that doesn't have any budget. And that's what we do, you know, because we don't have, like, extra income to put towards, you know, filming 
short films, but you really can work with what you've got. And so that's sort of been our mantra throughout it is like, don't let budget or anything else get in the way of kind of having like a creative outlet. You know, one thing too, that I learned, I didn't really know before, but um, just with, with these films, there's so many horror film festivals, like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them just in the U.S. And so there really is like a huge resurgence in the past few years in horror, especially in female-led horror, female-written and directed horror, um, horror that, you know, really focuses on societal issues. Uh, like all of that is becoming a lot more important and, and not just horror that is... Um, scary and campy, which certainly has its part of, of, of the genre. But I think there's a shift right now towards horror that is um, taking on issues, right? And like using the extremeness of the genre to really like drive points home. Um, like, you know, for example, like iconically, like get out, right? Um, how, like how crafty to use horror to show like the horrors of racism. Um, and so that's like certainly been a huge shift and, and it's been refreshing to see even like in the short film side of things and like the no budget film side of things that people are taking on bigger topics. So you mentioned uh, Get Out and social issues and horror and telling stories. You know, that's a deep, I don't know. I mean, as an artist, is that difficult for you to do to to make that statement to, you know, make the story, but, you know, put that in there about the, the social issue. How, how, what is that process like? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly a challenge and it's harder than, than just trying to make something that's fun and light or not even fun and light, but like campy and scary. Right. It, there's another element to that because you also want to make sure the people who are involved in the project, the people you're collaborating with are represented in what the, the issue is that you're tackling. Right. You don't want to, um, take on something that's outside of your scope and outside of your, you know, your area of the world, so to speak. So making sure there's representation, making sure that there's feedback and, and that what you're doing is um, not in a vacuum. So yeah, so it, it's more difficult, but of course that doesn't mean that it's not like anything to shy away from. So in September of last year, Abby, you published, self-published, <laughs> named Horror Stories, and it says it's a collection of Short stories about monsters and aliens and stuff? <laughs> yes, that's right. For the podcast, but also like since, you know, being a creative writing major, um, I have a lot of short stories. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, creepy short stories, right? Uh, so it, it was, a, I just kind of like ended up with a Google Drive full of them. And I was like, hey, maybe you could put these into a book. Um, and so that was a big project, like a big pandemic project. I worked with my friend who's an editor and kind of, you know, they're not perfect, but, but got them cleaned up a little bit and put them in a nice, beautiful cover by my friend, Emily Graverson. So where can we find Lunatics Project and your horror stories book on the web? Sure. So the Lunatics Project um, is our Instagram handle. You can find the podcast, which is Lunatics Radio Hour, anywhere you'd listen to podcasts. Um, and Horror Stories is available on my Etsy shop. So there's a link um, in, the, in, in my Instagram bio. <laughs> Abby Brinker, thank you for terrifying us. And we <laughs> the scariest of the scariest. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This has been Jollyville Community Beat with Uncle Asar and Dig This. No one is afraid of everything, but everyone is afraid of something. <laughs> Rest in peace. 
creative team that wrote and performed this episode of Jollyville Radio includes Uncle Asar Al-Kabalon, Emily Antonick, Lizzie Brister, Michael Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Richard Davies, Brian Green, Robert Leary, Alan Kay, Pilar Kepperda, Thomas Schlitt, Michael Stanley, Matt Waite, and Kay Wise. Direction and music provided by Michael Crosa with lead editing by Dr. Monse Santian. The recording was made in accordance with social distancing. If you're enjoying Jollyville Radio, please consider supporting us on Patreon. For a small monthly pledge, you can have a big impact on the success of our show. Plus, you can get bonuses like access to the script archive, letters from characters, and even a chance to hear your own voice on the show. Just go to Patreon.com and search for Jollyville Radio. Jollyville Radio is a production of Jollyville Brass Quintet, member of Austin Creative Alliance. We are based in Austin, Texas. For KJVR in Jollyville, I'm your host, Jimmy Piecrust. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. Poindexter Von Green Salads of Salad Salad Ice Cream Bar here, and wow. Thanks to the overwhelming success of our salad-flavored ice creams, we are now introducing ice cream bar-flavored salads. Now we got hot potato, hot fudge salad, Klondike ranch, and spinach salad, choco taco salad, and garden fresh Alaska. We're here for you at Salad Salad Ice Cream and Ice Cream Bar Salad Bar. Come on by today. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.